<laughs> uh, it is a um, part of one Buddhist practice to stand here and uh, give a talk to share your uh, your Dharma, your path with with your Sangha, and I, I do encourage everyone to to give it to give it a try. We are a very supportive community. Um, you know. No, all talks are um, received received very well, and it is. Um, I think it's very beneficial for your practice to review what you've learned, what you want to share, marshal, and to be able to marshal your thoughts and then and then pre present them because then then you have a deeper understanding of sort of your location in, in the scheme of things and uh, you know and how you're getting along and uh, well anyway so that's my little bit little bit of, an, of encouragement for you to stand here and do this also <laughs> instead of me <laughs> well the topic that I want to discuss is resilience and resilience is the theme of the upcoming retreat in October. I think it's what, October 17th? Oh, it's October 18th. It's the weekend. We will be in retreat up at the Juan Dharma Center. Doing, we will be uh, doing lots of movement. We will have discussions and we will also have meditation. And it's uh, the best time of year to do meditation uh, right at the height of the fall with the leaves turning because everything is uh, preparing for winter and turning inward. So when you meditate during the fall, especially up there at the Juan Dharma Center, where it's just so beautiful, you have the assistance of the universe, literally. It's, you sort of have the momentum of, every, of nature as it turns inward along with your meditations. So. It really uh, is a very powerful experience, and I encourage you to do that also. Uh, the um, changing of the seasons is an example of how resilient the natural world is. So that's one of the reasons why uh, cultivating resilience is going to be the theme for, for that retreat. So. Um, Resilience, I have defined for this talk, is the ability to, to adapt to challenging situations in our lives. Our New York, in, in New York City, we New Yorkers have shown how resilient we were um, oh, 12 years ago during 9-11 when uh, we, had, we experienced a great overwhelming tragedy but we came through it. Uh, I, the city is actual, as an organism, the actual city itself is, I mean, although we are riddled with all kinds of problems, and probably always will be, but it's more vibrant than ever. People want to, you know, still want to come here. We didn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't destroy our spirit, our resilience in meeting that challenging situation really, really showed. So we, uh, I think we really bounced back and showed how, how resilient we are. Uh, now, resilience relates to our Buddhist practice because 
it is about change, or as we Buddhists like to say, impermanence. In one Buddhist practice, we very pointedly state that one of our challenges is to bring spiritual meaning to our everyday life. And our one Buddhist spiritual practice is a counterpoint for life that has become very, very materialistic, extremely materialistic. So uh, resilience has characteristics uh, that parallel Dharma practice and especially the threefold learnings. So if anyone... Oh, we don't pass out the books anymore? The, oh, that's... that's a, I, brought, oh, I brought mine. We used to have, pass out the, the scripture books. So um, there's a doctrine... I, everyone, I hope you have like one of these at home. Uh, there is a doctrinal chart of the threefold learnings. Uh, let's see. Where is it? It's in the beginning. And the threefold learnings are... Um, oh, here we go. Uh, cultivation of spiritual stability, study, which is samadhi, study of facts and principles, prajna, and selection of right conduct. So I'm just going to be talking about that and how that really relates to uh, following these learnings really uh, brings resilience into, into our life and the ability to respond to change in creative ways, in ways that add meaning to our lives. So uh, first... Uh, the char- first characteristic that I wanted to discuss about resilience is strength. That um, we develop our strength in our practice by just practicing. We're supposed to practice meditation continuously and practice meditation everywhere. And through this, we do, uh, we, we do develop a lot, of, uh, a lot of strength. The, um, or when strength translates into spiritual stability or samadhi. The flexibility is another characteristic of um, resilience. So um, awareness, wisdom, and prajna are all very related. Often you might not think of flexibility as awareness, um, but I mean, I'm a very long time Tai, tai Chi um, student and just being flexible and learning, uh, learning this physical discipline takes a lot of, it requires uh, a lot of study, a lot of awareness. So um, being in tune with change, also with timing, with learning about timing in, in nature, when to do something, how far to go, so the application of flexibility requires prajna, or wisdom. And the next characteristic is perseverance, per- characteristic of resilience. Mindful choice and action, which, par- which is part of um, sila, part of the threefold learnings. The, um, we're given, in, in the book, we are given precepts to... Uh, to guide our lives. And uh, these precepts help 
enrich our lives rather than uh, just going through the motions, which we can tend to do. And uh, when we do that and we don't show resilience, we, I, I know you've probably heard the term of, you know, you, someone is just burnt out. And that shows a lack of resilience, a lack of, uh, you know, returning, uh, to, returning to precepts and understanding how important they are. Um, also, compassion fatigue occurs where uh, if you have a challenging job, um, um, you know, maybe you are a doctor or a nurse or a therapist, and you know, after a while, all these problems, you're, uh, you're fatigued by them. You don't feel it anymore. You can also experience compassion fatigue just um, watching CNN. I, I, you know, oh, there was an explosion here. These people are attacked here. Uh, so after a while, we, st we just stop, stop feeling it. So the, um, the threefold learnings, I think, help bring us back and let us um, experience life a little more and not, um, and not be, but not be indifferent to, not, not be, indif be indifferent to tragedy because compassion fatigue is also a delusion. Um, that we want to avoid, we want to act with wisdom. Um, so, uh, the if you turn to your threefold learning practice, it's a very good way of cultivating resilience. Uh, it um, ultimately is can lead you to true awakening. And uh, there is a portion of the scripture that I wanted to read to you today about that that concerns that. Um, so I'll just read. It's on, it starts on page 56, chapter 7, the practice of continue, continual meditation. So generally speaking, son, meditation, and son is the Korean term for Zen. Right? Here in, in the U.S. we hear a lot about Zen meditation, which is controlling the mind, but in Korean we say son. So generally speaking, son meditation is a discipline to attain freedom of the mind by becoming enlightened to one's own nature, which ori originally bears no discrimination or attachment. Whoever has had an ambition to attain the great way has practiced son meditation. If one intends to practice son correctly, one should first of all, consider the absolute void as the fundamental and abstruse beings as functional so that outwardly one can behave as firmly as a huge mountain when confronting numerous trying situations, while inwardly keeping one's mind as pure as the void. So, um, I'll, I'll stop there because this actually goes on for a few pages. <laughs> But, um, it, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on and on about the absolute void, but I'm not going to do that here. Uh, but the, um, the, the great master, Master Sotesan, is um, just telling us how to behave when confronting numerous trying situations, that these trying situations occur in our mind, and the solution to being resilient about it also is by controlling our mind. 
So it's this is on this is it's a really good chapter. It starts on page on page fifty six. So if you later on if you guys want to want to look at it. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So another real really good example of resilience is offered in our um, daily practice, the, the Dharma of daily practice, where we um, say, let us change resentment into gratitude. So that is, um, when I first thought about this, I thought about how difficult it actually would be, you know, changing resentment into gratitude. But when I considered it uh, more closely and sort of took apart what resentment is, I thought, well, you know, this does have some possibilities. Um, resentment is an attempt to maintain a feeling of anger or lasting ill will. So instead of like a natural uh, angry response, it is, resentment is that, um, you know, nursing of a grudge or an incident and uh, you know, you're reviewing it in your mind, you're personalizing it. So you're personalizing a random, like even a random mishap um, and shaping it really to, fi to fit almost a paranoid delusion. And uh, it could involve uh, envy, you know, wanting the material possessions of someone else or if someone is just uh, insulting you. The paranoid ego comes up with an endless supply of resentment situations. And it's, I mean, resentment is natural. It's, uh, I would like to say that all of my anger is just like one flash in the pan and then, and then it disappears, but I'm st still, still working on that. So this relates to our Buddhist practice of learning about the principles of life uh, because we are, we are told that everything is impermanent, and this is very encouraging. So even resentment is imper is impermanent. So when we uh, stroke and nurture our resentments, we're actually going against the natural way of things, and participating and perpetuating a delusion. So um, I can look at that. Uh, uh, part of the daily dharma and understand, okay, changing resentment into gratitude. Resentment is impermanent. Everything has to change, even that. But then the tricky part is, how do you change that into gratitude? <laughs> that was the next thing. Um, and I, so I lifted a really good definition of gratitude off of the Psychology Today website that I like. And um, they refer to gratitude as, gratitude is what gets poured into the glass to make it half full. And I really, I like that. So they, they go on, um, and gratitude is an emotion expressing appreciation for what one has, as opposed to say, a consumer-oriented emphasis on what one wants or needs. And I found, I was kind of surprised because I thought, wow, this is, this is like this is very Wan Buddhist. It's almost like like it should be on on our our website. Um, anyway, so and also studies show that cultivating gratitude um, increases well-being and happiness. 
um, and grateful thinking, and you have more energy and optimism and empathy, all of these, all of these good things. And uh, I'm actually going to use this as my new koan, um, which is a very targeted meditation. So uh, gratitude is what gets poured into the glass to make it half full, because I like the nuances of being able to visually visualize something being poured and what is full and half full. And um, you, know, you can also contemplate fullness and emptiness. So it's going to be my, my new koan. I'm happy about that. Um, so uh, now, back to changing this alchemy of changing it into, <laughs> into resentment. Um, so gratitude is also like, very much like appreciation, and appreciation involves uh, assessing, assessing, weighing, measuring, observation. It's very much like the scientific method, but to make it into gratitude, we need, we need it to become more than that. So I think that's where we, uh, where gratitude becomes what is poured into the glass to make it half full. Gratitude has to be really infused with like the love and even magic of our own hearts. So I think that is the point where it really changes and you can understand, okay, resentment, everyone feels resentment. Resentment is you're just trying to perpetuate this ill will. You can change it, but you have to change it by going inward, touching upon something in your heart to change it into gratitude. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's impossible. And I, po- possible. I think it's very encouraging to, um, uh, to just to, to think about that. Um, so one of the purposes of doing a Dharma talk is to let, every, to let your sangha get to know you a little more and to share personal uh, parts of, of your life um, rather than just going on and on about abstruse uh, one, one dharma principles and uh, threefold learning. It's not, not that... It's, it gets to be, um, well, not, not too exciting. So I did have, um, well some exciting news in my life this, this past week. My brother Eric and Amelia, who are not here today because they, I think they were just like a little too tired, were, <laughs> they, were, they were married here at the temple uh, last Saturday, which was very, a very wonderful, happy occasion for my family. Um, and uh, they were married here. They, the ceremony was here. The reception was in Brooklyn, and part of the, um, the, their entry into, uh, into the reception was we have a tradition of, of, jumping, of jumping the broom. And this was uh, um, some, not everyone at the, uh, at the reception really understood what, what this was about, so I thought that I would talk about that and how it really responds to like the resilience of my family, which is a very mixed, mixed race family. Um, so what, um, 
this is a tradition that um, harks from harkens from our um, slave ancestors, where who were not permitted to legally marry. So they would have a ceremony uh, where you put the broom in the entryway and there would be a big celebration. You would jump over the broom, uh, hence that would uh, signify leaping into the new life and making the, uh, uh, the, the, the marriage uh, official. It's also a tradition, it's, a, it's also a Scottish tradition. Um, it's a Roma tradition as well. In, uh, so it's not, not limited it's, um, because um, the broom is a very household, uh, household item and you know, leap, you know uh, there, there are many traditions where, you, uh, where the bride and groom enter and they do different things. So, um, so uh, I wanted to also talk to you about my ancestors who I thought of on that day. Edwin and Mary, this is during the 18th century. Uh, Edwin um, Turpin, he was an enslaver. He was a slave owner and he purchased Mary in Louisiana and she was newly, un newly captured from Africa. They settled in Goochland City, Virginia, um, where he purchased land from his second cousin, Thomas Jefferson. But um, I know this talk has really taken a turn, right? Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> they fell in love, and um, he took her to Canada, where they, where they were married, because they, here in the United States, these marriages were not, were not allowed. So they had a family, uh, and um, they're in, in response, I guess, as part of the times, their plantation was burned down to the ground at one point. But uh, given, the climate, given the climate of the time, but as resilient people adapting to, the cha to this challenging situation, they just rebuilt and continued their lives. And he, uh, according to his will, he freed his children, which I see that as pouring gratitude to half fill that glass. So I did bring, for, I guess for the talk later, I brought along a Washington Post article of um, my cousin, well, a distant cousin named Risha, who joined the, who joined the DAR, the Daughters, <laughs> the Daughters of the American Revolution. Because we, and uh, she also, she encouraged uh, all the females who are of this direct line, including myself and my sister, to, to join. You're able to join this, uh, this organization, which has a very long history of, um, of racial prejudice, but they're trying to change that now. Um, if, you have, if, you have, if you are descended from a, from a patriot who, who, fought or, who fought or helped out, during the, during the American Re Revolution. So um, she, I think, is an example of how to respond um, in a resilient way, instead of to let go of resentments and to look forward and uh, to, uh, I guess, have, um, have to change that resentment into gratitude, to add meaning, m even more meaning to your life. So, uh, if you want, I'll, I'll, I'll stay for, for, the, um, 
for the talk, and we can, we can talk more about that. But those are just examples of resilience and um, that sort of pertain to my life and, uh, and my family, which, uh, because we, all, we are a little different. And uh, it uh, is a great, uh, it's just, it's been a great experience just exploring this idea about resilience and what it means and how I've learned about it through Wan Buddhism. So again, I'm really encouraging, especially those of you who have not stood up here <laughs> and, <laughs> and given the talk just to come, just to come do it. It's really, it's, 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 it's really, it's really, I hope, I, you know, I, I know that was kind of like a disjointed talk, but um, it really was about one topic, but I, I had different things to pull together. Um, but it was, it was meaningful, meaningful to me to, uh, to do this, and I am honored that, uh, that you all are here this morning to listen. Thank you very much. <laughs>